This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Friday, August the 5th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And our top story today is that a man's been arrested after a car crashed into the front of two houses in Maidstone. If you head to Kent Online today, you can see shocking pictures and video of the Range Rover on Lower Boxley Road. Well, Jamie joins me now. So, Jamie, when did it happen? Well, people living on the road say they were woken up at about one this morning after the vehicle rammed through a garden wall. We're told that there were three young men inside at the time and it hit the wall so hard bricks were sent flying through nearby windows. That must have been incredibly frightening. Absolutely. The man living in one of the houses involved has said it sounded like a bomb going off. He's told Kent Online there was dust everywhere and their window was smashed. Thankfully, no one was actually hurt, though. As you mentioned, this has affected two properties and the doors and windows have been boarded up. The car hasn't been moved yet because experts need to come and see if there's been any structural damage to either house. And finally, what have police said? Well, they've told us the driver was arrested. He's currently in custody after being detained on suspicion of drink driving. Thanks ever so much, Jamie. A reminder, you can see those pictures and video today on the website. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you now and a fun fair in Dover has opened two days after the death of a teenager. Tributes have been paid to 14-year-old Mackenzie Croxford Cook who was found at the site in Pencester Gardens on Wednesday morning. He's understood to have suffered injuries on a ride that wasn't operating at the time. That ride has now been removed from the site. Police are not treating the death as suspicious and health and safety have completed an investigation. A Tunbridge man who stalked a horse riding instructor just weeks into their relationship has been jailed. A court's been told how the victim was forced to change her car and the stables she used after receiving threats from Adrian Moon. The 40-year-old from Bishop's Oak Ridge has been locked up for 30 months. Footage at Kent Online today shows a huge blaze that's ripped through a cornfield in Swanley. 34 acres of farmland, or around the size of 22 football pitches, has been destroyed after it broke out in the Beach and Lee area yesterday afternoon. Homes had to be evacuated and 12 fire crews were said to be tackling the flames. They've now finished their operations there. Now, it's not just you and me being hit by high energy prices. The Kent Online podcast has been told how councils in Kent are being badly affected too. Now, just four months into the financial year, some say their budgets are already being squeezed. And there are fears it could lead to cuts in services or prices to use facilities like sports centres going up. One council's even told us they're considering having to increase the price of cremations, would you believe? Well, Matt Ball Morton is the leader of Tunbridge and Morling Borough Council and he's been chatting to our political editor, Paul Francis. Swimming pools, for example, are a great user of energy. Um, the pools have got to be clean. You've got to make sure that you've got the right amount of chlorine in. And particularly at this time of year with school holidays, they're used a lot by residents and families across the borough. So energy use goes up. And as a result of that, we are seeing increased costs and the leisure trust are seeing increased costs and under the agreement that the council has with leisure trusts we are helping them um, in terms of supporting the facilities at the moment and uh, identifying funds to help pay those bills 
that are going to be significantly higher than they were last year. How long is that going to continue? I mean, what, what's the scale of the support you're giving? We're really lucky that we've got these facilities across Tunbridge and Morlin, and they're well run by the Leisure Trust. The scale of the issue means that we're going to have to look towards different solutions. The key solution that we uh, have done is we have identified £700,000 um, from one of our reserves in order to help cover the cost of energy bills throughout the rest of the financial year. That's something that we hope we don't need to use, but it's there for us to use in order to make sure that the Leisure Trust can continue to provide these facilities. They themselves have already put a surcharge on swimming um, classes to cover the, the costs that they're facing as well. And I think there's a recognition by users of the pool and users of all the leisure facilities that the council and the trust isn't immune itself from the pressures that we're all facing and it's frankly going to cost more to make sure these facilities run and there is a recognition that everyone's got to do a little bit more at the moment but if that secures the long-term and short-term future of our great leisure facilities across Tunbridge and Morton, then clearly that's something that we welcome. What about uh, other issues like, you know, saving energy? Is the council doing anything itself in, on that re- front, you know, making sure the lights switched off, etc.? All of the usual stuff that we try and do ourselves at home, the council does itself as well. We've just got a, a scheme going in at Larkfield Leisure Centre, which will... Um, make much more efficient the roof on the building and subsequently having an improved um, impact on performance there. We've just um, invested heavily in a new eco-cafe down at Laybourne Lakes and that's fantastic. That's got water source heat pumps and and other energy saving initiatives down there and what that's able to do is it's able to make sure that it's incredibly efficient in terms of its use going forward. So we wouldn't expect to have to deal with this problem in future years at Laybourne Lakes because it's been a modern facility that's been constructed to modern standards. The reality is the rest of the facilities, particularly at Larkfield and the Angel Centre in Tunbridge, were constructed many decades ago. And as a result, they're not operating as efficiently as they could be. And that's why we're looking at solutions to that problem. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. This is causing a fair bit of controversy today. Rishi Sunak has told Tory party members in Tunbridge Wells he should be Prime Minister because he redirected money from deprived urban areas into the town. I managed to start changing the funding formulas to make sure that areas like this are getting the funding that they deserve because we inherited a bunch of formulas from the Labour Party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas, uh, and they, you know, that needed to be undone. I started the work of undoing that. The New Statesman has published that clip of Mr Sunak talking to voters in Tunbridge Wells last Friday. Will Labour say it's scandalous that Mr Sunak was openly boasting that he fixed the rules to funnel taxpayers' money to rich Tory shires, but his campaign team say he changed the rules for government spending to help towns and rural areas also 
in need of investment. You can let us know what you think today by commenting on the story at Kent Online or via our socials. A row of holiday lets in Whitstable, partly built on council land that was sold for just £165,000, has been put on the market for a cool £3.5 At Kent Online, you can see pictures of the seven cottages on C Street. Well, estate agents say the properties have made around £430,000 in income over the past year. Some have criticised the council for selling off the land too cheaply. The authority say lessons have been learned. Elsewhere, people living in a part of Maidstone have criticised plans to turn a derelict four-storey building into a house of multiple occupancy. If given the go-ahead, the property on Milton Street would be converted into three flats with an extension adding a one-bedroom house. A number of residents have objected due to fears over parking. Next today, we're going to hear from a trader in a part of Ashford who says he's noticed a drop in custom after the sudden closure of a town centre car park. This is a site on Edinburgh Road and it was shut for safety reasons after debris fell from a ceiling during last month's extreme heatwave. It's not yet known when the 289 space facility will be able to reopen. Well, we've been chatting to Vince Monticelli, who owns the nearby record store. Well, that came as a bit of a surprise. Um, and obviously then, surprisingly, they also opened the ground floor of the other car park, which was a welcome addition. It's good to see that back. Uh, but of course, if you lose three or four floors of one car park and gain one floor of another, we've still got a parking problem here. So the opening of the park mall bottom floor, has that helped ease it slightly? Uh, it's been good for us in a way, because I think I probably mentioned before, it, it, deliveries to us come through the rear, so we can now access that. That's, so that's great. The car park is constantly full. I don't know if you've noticed yourself today, but it's uh, it's a problem because obviously we've only got one level in which to park. So there is still a significant parking issue um, and I appreciate the council have to do what they have to do for safety. So um, I'm sure they've shut Edinburgh Road for a good reason, but it was a complete surprise to everybody. And have you noticed the drop in footfall since the closure of Edinburgh Road? Yeah, I mean, I think footfall is down generally. Um, it's that time of year. It's difficult for people as well. We're in the luxury item industry as well, you know, although they're not massively expensive records, people. Um there is an element of, you know, I'd rather eat than listen to a, a new record. So um, footfall is generally down, trade is generally down. But has it been worse since the closure? Uh, it was worse since the original closure and it's probably stayed on an even keel at this point because of the other situations. And what do you think needs to happen now then? Do you think they need to sort of speed up the repair works? I think, yeah, it's really important that they get on and get this uh, back to normal so that we can all carry on as normal. And then we can make a, a better decision um, based on the trade we're getting, you know, if there's anything else needs doing. Council bosses say they are in the process of having a survey done to understand the extent of the works that are needed. They'll then be able to give us an update as to when the site might be able to reopen. Kent Online reports. Kent has recorded its first case of monkeypox. New data reveals that three of this week's 50 new cases were from Medway, Swale and Folkestone and Hythe. The disease is usually mild but can cause severe illness in some cases. A gas engine engineer from Swanley has been left partially paralysed after suffering a fall at work. Terry Francis had been working at a hospital in London when it happened in June last year. He's had surgery to replace discs in his back but says it's left him with no sensation and a lack of strength down his left side. A dog walker says she won't be returning to Woodland near Ashford after her car window was smashed 
and an Amazon parcel stolen. This is actually one of our most read stories today. Now, it happened at Daringwood after the box had been left on the back seat. The Woodland Trust say while this sort of thing is rare, they have recently upped patrols in the area. A Kent Town's oldest event has been cancelled for only the second time since way back in the 1940s. The Herne Bay Carnival has been scrapped at very short notice after it was set to return next Saturday following a three-year hiatus. Organisers have not confirmed why exactly, but say it's because of a number of reasons. And we might be in the middle of a very long, hot summer right now, but one of the stars of Panto in Kent this year has been chatting about being in the county for Christmas. Carrie Hope Fletcher will be playing the villain in Sleeping Beauty at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury. She's a huge West End star but is also the sister of McFly's Tom Fletcher. She's been chatting to our What's On reporter Sam Laurie. I love Canterbury so much. I've been here with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the Adams Family and I was actually saying today it's always such a relief when you get to the theatre because it's just so big and spacious. There's loads of space backstage, there's loads of space in the wings so whenever we were touring with a company like sometimes you would end up in a theatre that was so small that you had to cut parts of the set or um, the amount of space that you had would be greatly reduced so you'd have to like modify some of the dance routines and the spacing for the show or you'd be on a raped stage so everything had to suddenly have the brakes put on and you'd have to build that into your performance so every time we got to Canterbury to the Marlowe we'd always just breathe a sigh of relief like thank god nothing has to change we'd just have to do the show that we've all rehearsed and that we know um so yeah it's wonderful to come back here and Canterbury is such a beautiful place as well I can't wait to do some more exploring yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you have been here a few times before, but Panto is a long season. Yeah. So are you looking forward to being able to sort of explore it a bit more, spend a bit more time here? I mean, you're pretty much here all winter, right? Yeah, the longest I've ever spent here is two weeks with Chitty. But even then, we were constantly in the theatre, had one day off between, just not a huge amount of time to, to properly go exploring. Um, but yeah, this time I'm here for like six to eight weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so plenty of time to do some exploring, but also here at Christmas. And I hear you've got some lovely Christmas markets here. So. I'm definitely going to do a bit of exploring. Yeah, you'll definitely catch a Christmas market yeah. or two um, around here. And we've got loads across the county, so lots of shopping. You'll yeah, be able good, to yeah. Give so get in. Shopping done. Absolutely. You won't be short of choice, <laughs> trust me. Um, so obviously you're playing a villain this time, yeah. which is so exciting. I always think I'd want to play a villain if yeah. I was doing something like this. Um, but obviously it's a bit out of character for you with your other roles. So how do you feel about that? Are you looking forward to it? I cannot wait. Yeah, not only is this my panto debut, but it's my villain debut as well. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to be booed. I can't wait to see the audience reaction to me playing a villain. Um, and yeah, I think uh, deep down, every actor wants to play a villain at some part. Uh, at some point. I feel like they're the most interesting parts to play. Um, and the most fun, I guess. Especially in a panto where you have licence to terrify little children. Um, I kind of have, uh, yeah, artistic licence to go as far as I want with it, which is great. So, yeah, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, how often do you really get to get away with that? Exactly, exactly. I can't do that in my normal life. No. And are you, have you fully prepared yourself for the boos, the hisses, the shouts, everything like that? Because you don't oh, usually yeah. get that. <laughs> no, I mean, I probably have at some point, um, but no, this time there's a yeah, full opportunity. Uh, I encourage it. Go for it. Boo me as loud as you possibly can. I'll be furious if you don't. <laughs> I mean, and you've got young nephews as well. So do. Uh, do you think they're going to come and see you? And if they are, how do they, how do you think they're going to be watching their auntie play a villain this yeah. time around? <laughs> to be honest, I think the three of them will love the fact that I'm playing the villain. Um, they're all big, like Star Wars fans and they always root for the stormtroopers. Um, so yeah, I, I can't I can't wait for them to come and see it because I think this is the first 
um, show that all three of them will be able to come oh. and see because everything I've always done has either been something like Les Mis, which just isn't suitable for, for much younger children, um, or it's been sort of darker stuff like Heathers, which is a bit more adult. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, this is the first thing I can do where all three of them are able to come. So, fingers crossed, I hope they get to make it. It's a bit of a way from London, but yeah, hopefully they true. can come. I'm sure they'll give you a few booze as well, just oh, for definitely. fun. Just for fun. <laughs> Um, so I read as well that you only saw your first panto when you were about 19. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. I loved it so much. Um, I don't know why I hadn't seen a panto before then. Um, but yeah, I went because I had a, a friend who was in the dance school that they were using in Rickmansworth to, um, to perform in the show. So I went along and just loved it. But I felt a little bit weird, like being able to sing along and shout out <laughs> and... Um, actually participate because I was just so used to musical theatre mm-hmm. well you're not allowed to do that um, so I was like are you sure am I allowed to shout he's behind you is that okay um, but no I loved it so much and since then I've had loads of friends who have been in panto so I've sort of travelled to see them all um, and I've always been so jealous because they're all so in the Christmas spirit whenever they're mm. in pantos um, you know whenever a, a Christmas time comes around I've always been in something like Les Mis where sure. it's not exactly filled with festive spirit um, <laughs> not quite not quite no so um yeah I've always been so jealous of my friends who are in panto who are just like so ready for Christmas by the time it actually rolls around so this time I get to join in Kent Online Sports plenty of sports news for you today and we're going to start off at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham where race walker Tom Bosworth says he's feeling emotional the 32 year old from Tunbridge has already confirmed he's going to retire at the end of the season he goes in a 10 kilometer event on Sunday and has been speaking to Jadzia from our colleagues at KMTV. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, finally, we're here with COVID and uh, delayed Olympics over the last year or so. It, it's it's really nice to be here. And uh, it, for me, every day we get closer, it's getting more and more emotional, uh, given that this is my last summer competing. Yes, I was going to ask you about that in my next question. How do you feel about this being your last your last ever competition? Yeah, it's it's going to be really special. Uh, we we did this for a reason uh, all uh, year. I've kind of been thinking about uh, you know retiring. It's not been an overnight decision. I've been a professional athlete for thirteen years now, so it's going to be a bit of a life change to be honest. So it's not something I've rushed into, but it all just feel like it feels like it's come together perfectly. Um, I wanted to kind of finish. Uh, at my best and I still feel able to compete at my best and so uh, this is why really uh, Birmingham's the best way to go out. And you you won a silver last time in Australia, how confident are you of a podium finish for your your last ever competition? Uh, You know uh, I I never like to talk about positions or or results before competitions but uh, you know, Commonwealth Games is, is an incredibly high quality event and me at my best, I know I should be able to get back on the podium, especially uh, in front of a home crowd. I love, I absolutely love competing in front of uh, a home crowd. So uh, for me, it really gives me an extra gear. So hopefully I can cover the, the 10,000 metres in a time quick enough to get me on the podium. But the winter has been pretty tough. I've had some injections in my spine um, uh, to try and fix a back injury I've had for a couple of years now. And so it's worked, but it's been a long, long recovery process. Um, and so really, uh, it's for me, the biggest achievement is going to be able to compete at my best and, and whatever result 
uh, follows uh, I'm proud of. All the very best to Tom in that race on Sunday. We will bring you details of the result in bulletins on our sister radio station KMFM. Staying at the games and there's been some disappointment for Sheppard's Ross Wilson in the para table tennis. The defending champion from Minster has been beaten in the semi-finals by Joshua Stacey of Wales. Finally, Dartford sprinter Adam Jamili is in action on the track later. He's in the 200 metre semi-finals after winning his heat yesterday. On to cricket and Kent have been beaten in the one-day cup despite a century by new recruit Joe Everson. The Spitfires had set Glamorgan a target of 305 to chase but it wasn't enough as they lost narrowly by three wickets in the penultimate over. Meantime, Kent Sam Billings will captain the England Lions when they take on South Africa's test side next week. The 13-player squad also includes former Kent Academy bowler Ollie Robinson. The four-day match will take place at the Spitfire ground in Canterbury from Tuesday. In tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu has made it through to the quarterfinals of the Washington Open. She continues her preparations for her US Open title defence. The British number one from Bromley beat Camilla Osorio in straight sets and she'll take on Ludmilla Samsonova this evening. And in football, Gillingham welcome Rochdale to Priestfield for their first home game of the new season this weekend. The Jules didn't get life in League Two off to a great start, losing 2-0 away to AFC Wimbledon on the opening day. Tomorrow's opponents lost their first game too. Kickoff will be at three o'clock. But that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Whilst you're on the site today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. Plus, you can head to the What's On pages for ideas on what to get up to during the rest of the summer holidays and check out the new giant swing attraction that's opened at Blue Water. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.